Hello, welcome to the Made for Greatness podcast, the podcast where we unpack the words attributed to Pope Benedict XVI. You were not made for the world offers you comfort, but you were not made for comfort. You were made for greatness, and this greatness that he's referring to in this quote is sort of a hodgepodge of things. The first thing is is the greatness of God, and we're made are to to be filled with this greatness of God. But we've got to get rid of that stuff in our hearts that seem to keep us filled, already filled up so that there's no room for him. And St. Augustine describes this stuff as vinegar. So somehow we've got to be purged of the vinegar that, that fills up this space in our hearts that's meant for God, that's meant for his greatness. I don't know exactly what direction we're going to take this podcast, if anybody would ever listen, but it doesn't... Really, I just want to get my words out. But I intend to do some interviews with some people, some men, and find out what this means of being made for greatness and what being a great man of God is meant to be. But for now, let's just play along and get the words out. And I wanted to touch on a eulogy and regret. I had a friend that passed away about a couple months ago. And it was it, it struck me as really, really interesting. Just because... I had met with some of his family and friends that I've never met with before, and they're from another country. And I'll just call this friend of mine Tom. And for various reasons, uh, Tom and his, I met his sister and a, an old friend of his that he can, had a lot of respect for. And his sister and him hadn't spoken in probably five years, you know, or six years, maybe more. I, I don't really know. And when I was chatting with his sister, she had regretted that. Um, they had a falling out years back. You know, something had happened, as things happen with siblings. It's not like any of them were were, were particularly sinful or wrong. It just things happened between siblings. And she had mentioned that she regretted not attending his wedding and how um, sad that was. You know, that this this dispute got so far in between them that she felt justified to not attend the wedding. And there were other reasons as well that, that got in the way of her attending it. But And then the friend, the old friend. Tom would always reach out to this friend and often ask this friend to come down to where Tom lived and visit or chit-chat. And the friend had mentioned to me, you know, in between the, the funeral mass and, and the prayers and hanging out, socializing afterwards, the friend had mentioned to me that he never ever reached out to Tom that Tom was always the one initiating contact. And the friend had said, you know, he was, he, he would just get caught up, so caught up in his Billy's busy life with kids that he just wouldn't take the time to call Tom. And it wasn't like it was spiteful or mean or rude. It wasn't intending to be that way at all. It just was things were busy. We live busy lives these days. It, or so it seems. I can't imagine our lives are actually more busy than they used to be, but they feel busy, very busy. So much so that the friend um, was just too busy and preoccupied with his own things. And then myself, I was reflecting on myself how this, that about Tom and I had a bit of a dispute. And it was a minor dispute, but I, it was enough that I wanted to just sort of sit back and get some time of separation. Just a time to breathe and to see things clear more clearly. Um... And I always thought there'd always be another tomorrow, you know, and then all of a sudden when tomorrow doesn't come, that's when you start to realize all these little things, all these 
things that could have been said or should have been said that weren't said or even done and regret starts to creep in and the sister certainly felt some regret of not attending the wedding or not reaching out more to her brother Tom and the friend you know he certainly felt regret from from not reaching out more spontaneously to Tom particularly in light of Tom's um, willingness to be with the friend or to reach out to the friend and that was such a a tremendous sign of loyalty on Tom's part and while and while the friend still felt admiration and loyalty towards Tom just things got busy and as I mentioned tomorrow just didn't come and so for myself and Tom this regret was welling up that that I, I wish I would have spent more time with Tom you know reached out to him more often called him more randomly and it's not like I wasn't calling him. I would call him randomly. And I would see him often. Just not as much as maybe I would have liked to. And here he was. Tom had passed away. Tragically. Suddenly. Unexpectedly. And we had, and, I, and I'm sitting there pondering these things. And, and as I'm pondering these things, his, his, his wife asked if I would like to say the eulogy. And of course, I mean... By, by this token from this podcast, I love to hear myself talk. So of course I don't want to do a eulogy. Plus it's Tom. And, and I want to try and honor Tom's life. And I kept wondering, how do I write a eulogy? You know, who am I to write a eulogy? There's this best friend of his that was around for years. There's family that's here from out of the country. All these people are probably better suited to give a eulogy than I am. And I started pondering about that and pondering about their experience of regret and pondering about what we do with this regret now that someone's gone. And I, and I remembered from years ago, I attended a Catholic Bible school called John Paul II Bible School. A phenomenal place, a beautiful place, really shaped my life and shaped hundreds of people's lives. And by domino effect, as God's grace often works, thousands and thousands of people's lives directly from this school. One of the lessons was on healing mass. And I don't remember the priest's name. I think his name was Father Louis. We'll just call him Father Louis. Father Louis was talking to us about how we can use the mass itself, any sort of ordinary mass, as, a, as, a, as an opportunity for healing and, 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 uh, and wholeness. And this one particular thing that really stuck, sticks out to me over the years, and I always try to do it, is the offertory. When we collect all the gifts and, and the money, and we bring the gifts of bread and wine, and we give it to the priest, and the collection basket collects the money and donations for the parish needs and the community's needs. And we give this basket and we offer it up to the altar as a sort of a way to, as an offering to God. But what's also probably more important at that point it's because we have to remember that, that God doesn't delight in, in sacrifice. God delights in the heart of the believer. And at that moment where we're, we're, we're giving all our donations and, and the bread and the wine, that this priest, Father Louis, was telling us that this is the time where you go and you offer up your life as a gift to, to Jesus, to surrender it anew. And in light of a healing mass, it's the time where we offer up this, this source of pain, or this discomfort, or this memory, or this wound that seems to be holding us back and asking God to heal us. And we, so we let it go and we surrender it onto the altar of Jesus. And then when, Father, when the priest lifts up, elevates the bread, 
we surrender with we unite with this bread all the physical aspects of this memory or experience or wound all the physical things whether it was we were beat up as kids or or whatever it is we surrender with the body the physical body of jesus and when the priest elevates the the wine and the wine is transformed into the precious blood of jesus we offer up all the all the spiritual elements of this wound all the things that may be unseen we offer it with this blood and the language that father louis was presenting us with wasn't of course a, a definitive you know a heavy dogmatic sort of theology not by any stretch of the imagination but the imagery of the bread and the wine behind the behind the chalice and on the patent these are things that that can remind us to surrender all of who we are and also all of the, what this wound represents to us onto the altar of Jesus, the, which is ultimately the main source of healing and grace for all of us. Because in the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. And so it's a beautiful experience. And to couple it with the journey of healing is really, really precious. And seeing our, our, our experiences and our wounds united physically in, the, in our mind's eye with the body and the blood of Jesus is a really, really neat way to experience healing in his healing hand. And, I, and as I was pondering that and pondering this regret that I feel about Tom passing away, I also came to the re- remembrance that Tom is, is dead. His physical presence is no longer here on this earth for the time being until the resurrection of the body at the end of time. And right now, Tom is, is hopefully, by the grace of God, completely united with the heart of Jesus. And completely united in this sacred heart, Tom feels no anger. Tom feels no animosity. Tom feels no unforgiveness. Tom feels only love. Because in the end, in, in the end of Tom's life, when he becomes united fully with the sacred heart of Jesus, he is united fully with the sacred heart of love itself. And so this regret that we feel, this shame that we feel, this pain that we feel of not being able to reach out to him, Tom doesn't look at us with the same regret, with the same pain. Tom, our loved ones who have passed away and are now united with the heart of Jesus, look on us with the heart of Jesus that beats for love of you and me. This love of Jesus that forgives and forgets. This love of Jesus that blesses and anoints. This love of Jesus that calls us into new life. And that is the heart that our loved ones are united to at the end of their lives. That is the heart that we're united to when we die. And so when we think of our loved ones that have passed and we, and we can't tell them, I'm sorry for hurting you, or I'm sorry for not calling you. I'm sorry that I didn't see you more often. Their response isn't going to be, yeah, <laughs> thanks a lot, pal. <laughs> That's not going to be their response. Their response is going to beat with the heart of Jesus and it's going to say, I forgive you. I love you. It's okay. That's their response. But in a tangible way, because we're sacramental beings where we need to see, touch, taste, and hear our experience and, and, our, and things that define who we are, what do we do with this? And as I'm thinking about all this stuff, all this regret, 
this fact that Tom is united perfectly to the united to the sacred heart of Jesus, to the fact that Tom now lives and breathes and moves with, with the heart of Jesus, the beating heart of Jesus. The best place that we can encounter Tom, the best place that we can encounter the, the ones who are fully united with the heart of Jesus is on the altar at Mass. And it's on this altar at Mass where we offer up our regret. We offer it up as a, as a gift. We offer it up as a, as, as a way to surrender completely the, the regret that we might feel. This is the altar of Jesus where we lay down our regret, where we lay down our shame, where we lay down our guilt, and then we receive his love for each one of us. And in a, in a sacramental way, this is our where we t- see, touch, taste, and hear the forgiving words of Jesus, the forgiving words of our loved ones. When we receive Jesus fully in his body and his blood, we hear the words, I forgive you. I love you. You are my friend. But we need to let it go. We need to let go of our regret. We need to let go of our of our unforgiveness. We need to let go of these things and fully surrender them onto the altar. And that's where we place our regret. That's where we place those moments where we didn't reach out. That's where we place these things. We surrender them on the altar of Jesus. And that was my eulogy. You know, I, I'm not one to think about achievements as as things to hold on to or cling, but they're important to acknowledge. And so, of course, in, in this eulogy, it started with acknowledging his achievements. And this man had so many great achievements. He had done so many things for his people. And he was a good man. And yeah, on one hand, we've lost a good man. But this good man that's no longer here with us on earth is an even better man united to the heart of Jesus, interceding for us, praying for us, that we would let go of these regrets, that we would let go of these hurts, that we would let go of these moments of unforgiveness, whether it's towards other people or towards ourselves, that we let it go and allow the the freeing love of Jesus to permeate our very beings. So what does this have to do with being made for greatness? The vinegar that St. Augustine speaks of, that our hearts are filled with. I think that it would be foolish to say that that vinegar is just sin. I, I think that the vinegar that our hearts can be filled with is also these things that fill up over our lives. Hurts, the pains, the regrets, the times that are lost that we're clinging to. Even our joys, the joys that we appreciate, that we value, that we cling on to. The vinegar in our hearts isn't just sin or, or pain or regret, it's, or not even, and not even just merely joy, but it's all those things that we hold on to, that we grasp onto, and we refuse to let it go. All of that stuff can be the vinegar that's in our hearts. So how do we respond? We respond by letting go of these things. All of these things, the regret, the pain, the joy, the love, let go of all of it and surrender it onto the altar of Jesus. 
surrender all of it onto his altar. Because that's our, our true treasure. Our true treasure is the heart of Jesus. I'm reminded of that. Uh, I, I don't know the story verbatim. I don't know it really well. To be honest, I've never read it. It's always been read to me. But St. Margaret Alloquay, I can't remember exactly how to say her name. It's French, en français. Um, but the visions that she had of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the thing that really struck me that I love so much about those stories is how she saw herself standing before Jesus with his heart burning with love, just inflamed with his love for her and for all of humanity, every single individual human being. And he said to her, give me your heart. And she gave her, gave him her heart. And he took it from her and she, he plunged it into, her, into his living flames. And she watched it melt like wax in these living flames of love. And that's our treasure. Our treasure is in letting go of these things and, and allowing them to plunge into these living flames of love that are the sacred heart of Jesus the living flames of love that abide within his most perfect heart. So these, all these things that we're holding on to, this regret of time lost, the regret of unforgiveness, the regret of hatred, whatever it is, the regret of pain, but also the joys of presence with somebody else, the presence, being present with somebody else, the joy of memory, memories that we hold on to and cling to as times of comfort. Ultimately, ultimately, and those comfort things are good, but ultimately we need to let go of them. Let go of all of these things. Let go of past achievements, of future achievements. Let go of it all because really the only thing that we ought to achieve or attain is the heart of Jesus. And everything, everything has to melt like wax before his living flames of love. And when we go to the Mass... This, all of this, is what we visualize. All of this is what we try to practice and live out. Surrendering everything into the heart of Jesus. And after we do this, then the greatness that we are made for, the greatness that we are called to attain, is finally we're ready to be received of. We're ready to receive this greatness into our lives. We're ready to receive the greatness of God. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Holy Spirit, we ask you to please set our lives on fire with your love and your presence. Holy Spirit, we ask you for this grace to be able to surrender everything, all of everything that we have that we're holding dear in our hearts whether it's a good thing or a bad thing no matter what it is holy spirit help us to let go and to truly surrender it into the living flames of the heart of jesus and we thank you jesus so much for your love we thank you for your love that calls us into existence this love that sustains us this love that that embraces us and holds us And Father, thank you that, that you are so pleased with us. Thank you that we are your beloved. Thank you, Father, for calling us your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.